You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam Jones, currently joined by Chris Beasley and Paul Wheelock. We're hoping to be joined by Gab Buckland. We've been waiting about 10 minutes for him to try and connect. I'm not sure whether Storm Eunice has took out Gab Buckland's internet or not, but uh, we'll wait and see if he can join mid-podcast. Hopefully he will be able to. But of course, we are ju- we are here today to talk about an important trip to Southampton for Everton this weekend, following off the back of what was a rousing win against Leeds last weekend. Everton will be hoping to, well, potentially secure back-to-back wins for the first time in in Lord knows how long. Uh, bees, you've, you've got to hope that that uh, Everton can keep up that momentum, really, don't you? You know, fast start, hit, hit Southampton from the front in a similar way as they did against Leeds last weekend. Yeah, I mean, we've just been discussing um, backstage, haven't we, before we went on, you know, people saying, oh, it's a tough time to go face Southampton. We said, well, it could be a tough time for Southampton to face Everton. That's what you've got to hope. Um, it'd be a, um, it's a, it's sort of like the next thing to tick off for Frank Lampard. He's had those two rousing home victories now, both emphatic scorelines, 4-1 against Brentford, and then more about the way they played against Leeds, 3-0, victory there, you know, Goodison Park, as we've not seen for many a year. So, the big test now is doing that away from home because obviously in between that, there was the totally miserable performance at Newcastle United where they just wilted in the second half and sort of Newcastle did to Everton what Everton have been doing to opponents at Goodison and that really bringing the crowd into play and uh, being up for the fight there. So, yeah, that's the big test now, isn't it? It's showing that they can sort of replicate those kind of displays on the road. Um Tricky conditions. It's probably calmed down weather-wise by tomorrow, hopefully. But yeah, it won't be um, ideal, will it? So, yeah, it's a, it's a big test for them, and um, that's been the thing that we've been saying all along, isn't it? Is that consistency? Because we know they can do it. They should be much higher in the table, given the ability they've got in the squad. Was doing it on that consistent basis. Don't waste another opportunity like they did there. They had that obviously morale-boosting victory against Arsenal in December, and then threw in the display at Crystal Palace next time out. So that's what they've got to overcome. They've got to sort of do this back-to-back weekends and sort of build that momentum to climb the table. Mm. I suppose Paul Beezer's hit on the right word there, hasn't he, in terms of consistency? I mean, obviously we saw a great performance against Leeds United, backed by you know a really raucous home crowd. But when it was a raucous away crowd a few days previously, uh, the team really struggled against Newcastle United, you know, a fellow side towards the bottom end of the table. As Bees quite rightly mentioned, Southampton are in a pretty decent vein of form at the minute. Uh, the crowd are going to be behind them. How do Everton try and shut out that noise this time? I think it's a real big test. I think Bees just said it there. I think it's they are riding the crest of a wave at the moment, aren't they? They've gone to Tottenham and won. Good results against City at home. Once we've got a point against United, when probably should have come on with all three. 
I'm not quite sure it'll be the same atmosphere at Newcastle just because it's a 3pm kickoff. The weather's not the best and as well as Southampton are playing, they're fairly comfortable, aren't they, in the table? So hopefully that'll play into uh, into Everton's hands. But it, it, it is it is, it is is a test of Everton's metal, this. There's, you can see the difference the fans made against Brentford and particularly against Leeds on Saturday. And I'm sure the 3,000 Evertonians will make that long trick down to the South Coast will make a lot of noise. But this one's almost on the players, if you know what I mean, because... I, I think it was. I think it went hand in hand last Saturday. I think they knew they were going to get a good atmosphere, and the players responded in turn. That you know, that first ten minutes is probably the best opening spell to a game I've seen in a long time. You know, at Goodison, and it, 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 everything fitted like a glove. But I think this is really on the players. This one, I think, as as B's rightly said, there we know we're in a relegation scraps still, and I know Frank Lampard said that after the game. But this. We need more wins on the board. And this is a big game, this one, you know, with City at home to come next. And then I think it's Tottenham away after that one. I think that we we learned more about the players after Newcastle, didn't we? And I think that was fair to say, well, Lampard learned more about the players after Newcastle. And I think we're going to do the same here. I think Southampton, as good as they are, though, thinking back to the last, uh, the opening day of the season, I wasn't, they, they weren't that impressive. I know they went one up after we, you know, we gifted them a goal. But as well as they are playing at the moment, I still don't think they're one of the strongest sides in the Premier League. And as B's rightly said, these players have got the quality. You know, we, we saw it in evidence against Leeds on Saturday. And I think we have to go there and prove it. I think every point is, we're desperate for points still at the moment. But I don't think it's one where we should go there and short shop and, and try and get a nil-nil. I think we should go and have a go. You know, build on the momentum that, that we showed against Leeds last Saturday and, and, and try and take the game to Southampton. Mm. In terms of yesterday, B's, obviously we had... Frank Lampard's press conference, he was as interesting as ever, gave some injury updates. Uh, Damari Gray, unfortunately, is still going to be out. Uh, Abdullah Decore, Ben Godfrey, Fabian Delft, they're sort of getting closer to their returns. Turns out Yeri Mina doesn't need surgery on his on his latest issue, which is obviously big news. But the one returning player, which I think is going to be interesting, is Vitaly Mikhalenko, isn't it? And you know, obviously, we talked earlier in the week about a number of players who had really good performances against Leeds. One of them was John Joe Kenny playing out of position at left back. Vitaly Michalenko is the only natural left back at the club. Does that does that mean he comes straight into straight into the side for this game, or do you do you edge towards not changing what was a, a winning tactic last weekend? Yeah. Seems crazy, doesn't it, to think that, you know, like you say, as, as the only recognised left-back at the club that he wouldn't do. But I think that could be the, the case because it would be very unfair. It would be very harsh on John Joe Kenny if he was to lose his place after that display. Um, that was one of the uh, sort of like the, uh, the added bonuses to that display last week is that Kenny, we knew that somebody was going to have to go out of position <clears throat> with Mikulenko unavailable. Was it going to be Seamus Coleman again? Was it even possibly going to be Nathan Patson making his debut out of position? But it ended up being John Joe Kenny being that um, square peg in a round hole. But um, as much as he's very much right-footed, he, he, he got up and down that flank very well and the distribution was good, tackling was great, as you, you sort of expect from him. So I think on this occasion, as bizarre as it would seem, you know, Mikulenko is been identified as the long-term successor for Luca Dean. They wouldn't have paid all that money, you know, 18 million for him if they didn't think that that was going to be the case. But as a one-off for this game, I would actually stick stick with Kenny. And given that Damari Grace is still injured, that would mean an, an unchanged lineup for myself. Mm. 
we have been joined by Gav Buckland. I can, I can happily say, Gav, has your, has your internet recovered from the storm? Um, and looking outside, I don't think so. So if I yes. if I disappear <laughs> like I disappeared in Five Side on Wednesday, then uh, <laughs> then like uh, you know, I think everybody's benefit got a benefit, aren't they? <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll come to you with this question now, Gav. Yeah. We've just been talking about the potential return of Vitaly Mikolenko to the side. Obviously, he is own, Everton's only recognised left-back, but after the performance that John Joe Kenny put in last weekend, would you would you be tempted to switch it or would you be tempted to to stick with how it was? Um, Frank big John Joe up yesterday, didn't he? Mm, he did. in, in his press conference, was uh, very effusive in his, his, his praise of him. I would find it... I'd find it difficult if I was John Joe Kenny, having been complimented, you know, quite a bit by Frank yesterday, to then find out. So, by the way, I'm dropping you on uh, Saturday, John Joe. Um, I, I think that would be a difficult uh, thing to comprehend. Um, and on that basis, I think I suspect he'll he'll keep it. I mean, first clean sheets in spares, wasn't it? I think mm-hmm. for three months yeah. or how long it is. So. I suspect he'll, he'll stay in the team, to be honest with you, and why not? I mean, he, he did he did what was asked of him last week in the difficult circumstances, and um, he uh, he excelled in that role, didn't he? The only thing I'd say about last Saturday is you get the impression he was picked there to stop Rafinha, you know, coming inside as a right-footed left-back, you know, mm-hmm. so whether that applies on Saturday, not so sure, but it'd be hard to drop him, and hard to drop him after Frank's comments yesterday. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, Paul, I mean, Gav mentions Frank Lampard's comment yesterday. He said, I don't want to make him just a local lad with a big heart. He's a very good player. When you've got lads like that in the group, they help. And we've seen a couple of interesting interviews. I think he's done one with Everton's official website and with The Athletic as well over the last couple of days, John Joe Kenny, where he's spoke very honestly about his you know, last couple of years, his low moves to Schalke and Celtic and the struggles that he's had working his way back into the sides. And I, I, I tend to agree with both Gavin Bees, you know, after you know ha- having such a, such a hard time of it recently and putting in what I would... I, w- I would suggest probably is up there with one of his best performances in an Everton shirt. You know, it, it would be, it would be a little bit, it would be a little bit harsh on him to be dropped. Uh, I, I mean, uh, especially when you're looking at Mikalenko as well. I know he's a natural left back, but he's still got to adapt to the Premier League, isn't he? He's still a young player who's really not got a lot of Premier League experience. Throwing him into a to a match of of, the, of this sort of importance for Everton. Might might work against them in 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 the long run. It's it's it, I I just find it a really interesting situation that Everton find themselves in. To be honest, yeah, it's one that I don't think any of us expected either. Really, I know last Saturday we knew someone had to play left back given Mikelenko's absence, but it was still maybe came as a little surprise that John Joe Kenny played there. But 
And I think it's fair to say we we're probably a little surprised at just how well he played. You know, uh, you know, defensively he was solid, which you, you know, that that's his, that's his, you know, bread and butter. But I thought going forward he was excellent. You know, there were a couple of times like reverse passes, the outside the foot cross that I think led to the first goal. It really made me think probably twice about John Joe Kenny a little bit because we know he's a local lad. We know he's got a big heart, and you can see how desperate he is to do well. But I've got to be honest, probably over the last couple of seasons, you you maybe had that thought about well, isn't it time he moves on for the good of his career? But I think it happens with most new managers when they come in, don't it? Players get a new lease of life, everything's rosy in the garden, there's a lot of praise passed around, but it does seem to be something with Lampard. It's one of like the, the facets that I've been really impressed with him. He, he really has given everyone a clean slate. You know, you, you've seen it with a Wobey uh, last Saturday, his performance and, and Lampard's comments after the game were absolutely fantastic about a Wobey. And, and again, with John Joe this week, I, yeah, as Gaz rightly said, given the way he played and given the way that Lampard spoke about him in his press conference yesterday, I just don't think there's any chance that he won't start on on Saturday against Southampton. And, and good luck to him because, you know, let's face it, we've only got one left back, haven't we? And Mikalenko, you know, he, he hopefully comes into the side and, and proves his worth over the next few months and in the years ahead. But there's a chance here for John Joe, you know, even if it's a starting left back or a backup left back, there might be a path for him what maybe, maybe didn't exist before. Mm. A bit further in field, bees. I think one of the players that we can uh, safely assume will be starting uh, Everton's game on Saturday is going to be Mason Holgate. And obviously, as we're recording now, it's just been published. You've had a, a, a very interesting sort of exclusive chat with Holgate where he yeah. speaks quite candidly, not just about Everton's form, but his own form. Yeah, yeah. I was very, I was very impressed with what Mason said, to be honest. He... Um, he was brutally honest. Um, you know, he, he said they're both for the team. You know, they they're not stupid. They they're nowhere near where they would uh, thought they were going to be at this stage of the season. But the the big thing is that going forward, they 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 believe that under Frank Lampard, they they can improve that. They they can't change what's already happened. And uh, a lot of smiles on the on the training ground now, not just because of the results, but because of the way that Frank and his team are. Um, deploying them and the methods that they're, they're going um, out with, he said that um, you know he admitted that you know having a Premier League idol of his and of many of his teammates from the childhood has had a galvanising effect. They they do listen. They, the likes of him, not just him, but Ashley Cole as well. He said you know they've achieved everything in the English game. So if they're going to say something to me, you know you got to listen. You got to take it on board. So brutally honest about that, and then about his own form because. He told me about one when obviously Carlo Ancelotti came into the club that season. He's probably um, at his most impressive. He's really doing well. I think there were even sort of suggestions that there was um, admiring glances coming his way from the Etihad. Manchester City were sort of linked to, to him at that time. But, you know, it's it's not gone as well as he, either thought since then. He's, he's been brutally honest about that. Um, he's, he says there are mitigating circumstances. He had injuries. And then when he was brought back into the side, wasn't always playing in his favour position or perhaps there was a sort of a question mark whether he'd been staying in the side so we yeah, were impressed with what Mason said because you know you can't, you can't change the past he's admitting to what's happened there that he's not been at the levels that he'd shown in in, in previous seasons but uh, he feels he can get back there now and he'll certainly have a chance you'd think given that Yeti Mina's injury and Ben Godfrey's injury means that for the foreseeable uh, next few, sorry, for the next few weeks, it is going to be him and Michael Keane. No fingers crossed. There aren't any more injuries in that department because then it really would be down to the bare bones. So yeah, it was really interesting to thought what what uh, Mason um, said, and it was a, a quite a good insight into what's actually happening on Finch Farm. On 
a daily basis because although he didn't mention the, the previous manager by name, it was it was obvious that you know there is that there's a that, there's a different sort of feeling in the way that the players are going in there on, on a daily basis. And that's not just results. I mean, it will come with results, but they have almost been released, it would seem, from, from those shackles of uh, the way things were under Benitez. Mm. Gav, I'll just read you a little extract from what Holgate said to Bees. I mean, he said, uh, I kind of felt that when I came in, it was only for a game or two, and then I'd be back playing somewhere else or out. So that's always a difficult thing to do or adjust to. Ultimately, it was down to me and my performances. There's nothing I can do about that, just as the team can't do anything about the way we've been. We can only take it from here and be ready. And I suppose what Bees is saying there is quite right, isn't it? That, you know, Mason Holgate has an unprecedented sort of opportunity in front of him now, given the injuries to Ben Godfrey and Yeri Mina. And this could be a really defining period for him in his Everton career, really, couldn't it? Because, I mean, if if he can find his way back to his... His best form that he had a couple of years ago, then you know, he's pro- he's proven himself to be a really really useful asset to the club, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't think he's played in every game so far, hasn't he? I think he's pointed mm-hmm. out in under Frank. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know whether what Frank would have thought about when uh, Frank was in his prime. We were all kids, uh, Chris. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not not necessarily a great move to uh, get your manager feeling his age, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, I get that. It is it is an opportunity. I was going to say it's an opportunity for Michael Keane, but maybe not as much because obviously he's older. Yeah, it is. Um, and the thing with Mason is that is, well, is, is it's his limitations. Is is use of the ball on occasions switches off. Um, you know those are those are his two things for me that he needs to improve on. But a run of games, you know, he can you know, certainly shore up our centre half. Position which needs sure enough. You know, I, I wasn't on the pod on Monday, um, but I think Leeds, Leeds were a little bit like Brentford, weren't they? they were compliant, weren't they? So I wouldn't, though I thought we played really well Saturday, I wouldn't necessarily say, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd add that as a caveat and I'd add that as a caveat to Mason's performance. Leeds are missing a few players. I think I have a better idea about Mason after Saturday and the rest of the team after Saturday and, and Man City probably. Um, but yeah, you are right. It's a big opportunity um, for him that's being presented, and he can. Um, let's hope he can. He can flourish, but it also needs Michael Keane to flourish as well, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, needs both of them um, to work as a unit, which has not necessarily been the case in the past. And um, you know, goes back to what we're saying about John Joe and getting the fullbacks working together is. There's an opportunity here for Frank to have a settled defence, isn't it? Which you've not really had for donkeys years. A bit mean of being mm-hmm. in and out of the team and stuff. And the one thing you need in football is, is a settled defence. Mm-hmm. And if we can get that, then hopefully, you know, Mason can flourish within that within that back line. Mm. I think Gav makes a really good point there, Paul. I mean, we, we talk about centre-backs as individuals, but so often centre-back partnerships are what really make a team tick particularly. And, you know, for the upcoming weeks for for example until ben godfrey uh, finds his way back to full fitness you can well fit, touch wood you you're going to hope that michael Keane and mason holgate keep themselves fit and they'll be able to build something of a partnership for themselves and that that could be crucial for not just them individually but for the side in general couldn't it without doubt without doubt he was so much better against leeds wasn't it that lapse in concentration that he can have from time to time he did things simple didn't take too many risks on the ball it was uh 
like so many plays, is, is probably his best performance of the season. I'm, I'm with Gav, though. I think, like I said earlier, this is this is another learning curve on Saturday for Southampton, and I think it will be for Holgate because I looked at Leeds last Saturday and it reminded me a lot of us without Calvert-Lewin. I thought Calvert-Lewin made such a big difference to the team on Saturday. He looked sharp again after his injuries, and you could see how much Leeds missed Bamford. And, you know, on Saturday, Holgate and Keane are going to go up against the striker and Brozier, who seems very highly rated. And whenever I've seen him, he, he looks the real deal. He's physical, he's fast, he gets behind. So it's an, it is a, a proper test for the centre-backs on Saturday. But yeah, it's just like opportunity knocks at the moment, doesn't it, for so many players, particularly in that back line, because Mikalenko could come in. Bramthwaite's obviously got a lot of potential, but I still think he's, you know, I think he's still a backup at this stage. You know, for the next five or six weeks, maybe before Godfrey comes back, that could be the back four, couldn't it, really? So, yeah, huge. Just, again, more of the same for, for, for Mason Holgate. If he can play like that, he's the player. There is a player in there, isn't there, with, with Mason Holgate? I think I think we believe that, but at least he's been honest to admit he's not showed it enough lately, but he's not, he's not the only one in the team. Mm. And I suppose, Beezer, goes back to what we've heard from numerous players since Frank Lampard's come into the club, isn't it? You know, we've seen him give... A lot of praise to Alex Iwobi. We, you know, we saw it again yesterday in his press conference. It really, really boosted Alex Iwobi's confidence as much as possible. Did the same with Donny van der Beek, uh, making sure that he was right in for him as soon as he was through the doors on deadline day. Same with Deli Ali. You know, th- th- this kind of confidence that Frank Lampard instills in his players. You know, the, the likes of Kenny Holgate. You know, players who have been on the fringes for the past couple of years. They might see that confidence return to themselves and that that could be that could essentially be the difference over the next couple of weeks really couldn't it yeah it's very different um than what they'll have had under rafa benitez um rightly or wrongly you can't just say well frank lampard's good because he says you're good or rafa benitez is bad because he says you're bad but as benitez is obviously known for it is his tough love with with players and very demanding i think even um you know when it at Liverpool, Steven Gerrard has said that how he would he wouldn't get many compliments off him. He would always always push him, and perhaps you do need that in certain. I mean, every play is different. Some respond to the arm around the shoulder, and you know some of them need that kick up the backside. But it would seem that Everton's players perhaps respond more to the encouragement and um, be, being talked up and um, sort of being coaxed out that way by the manager. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, 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 like you said, it's been a fresh start. It's been a clean slate, however you want to say it for all of these players. But if he if he does say that he, he believes in them and then hopefully the same way that they responded to the encouragement from the crowd, players like Alex Awobi, like you say, people who have um, sort of flattered to deceive at, at times, he, he can um, get the best out of them or certainly get some sort of reaction um over the coming weeks, I think it's been one of the genuine things that we've been able to sort of point at this Everton team as being sort of mental fragility or um, sort of a lack of character. Because as we've said, certainly if you look at their pedigrees and the way that they are in the game, they know that they are a lot of them established internationals and they should be achieving results on a more um, consistent basis. So it, it does seem to be... Um, I don't know how much Frank goes in for sports psychology or, or that kind of thing but yeah that it is the question mark over the character so if they do get that encouragement maybe that would be some sort of um, way of improving those results if they, if they actually believe in themselves because 
if we can learn anything from last Saturday, if it, certainly the, the players should believe that they can do it and performances like that can be achieved on a more regular basis. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Gav, going off on a going off on something of a slight tangent, Frank Lampard was also asked yesterday about his willingness to potentially work with a director of football and yeah. obviously he was he gave the usual answer of oh I'm just focused on results on the pitch for the minute but you know he was he was later asked about it again and he said it's a fantastic club and if you get the right fit I will certainly be happy working with anybody who can help this club be more successful and I suppose that that was probably a big reason why he was why he was eventually chosen as as manager wasn't it and his willingness to potentially work with a director of football if that's how this strategic review ends up being possibly um you like to think there were other reasons um but yeah it was it was a funny one because he said he won input into the strategic review as well didn't he mm-hmm. i think he, he said mm-hmm. which is, is okay but like frank's not going to be there you know where he might be there for ages you know what i mean you, you want you want the overall club's view of mm-hmm. of 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 uh of how wants the the football side to operate but yeah um he, he uh whatchamacallit he he sorry my phone's just gone off there and just switched it off not going right <laughs> for me today is it uh, <laughs> turn up late phone I'm, going I'm, off i'm all, I'm all now, now, seriously <laughs> i think regarding the, the 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 director of football is spot on isn't he this this is the problem with brands wasn't it that we, we had brands in but we didn't necessarily have the structure to support the director of football what he's what he's saying there is right that it's no point bringing somebody in and then not really thinking how they're going to operate and how they're going to um, have a relationship with the manager and and the wider club. So yeah, I totally agree with what he's saying there. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, it's a big opportunity for Frank, isn't it? This goes back to when he was originally appointed. That one of the things I like about this is actually Frank needs Everton as much as. I'd argue that Frank needs Everton more than Everton needs Frank, where he is in his management career. Mm. Because he obviously had two jobs. He's maybe been in the run and not got another two or three jobs, maybe Palace, Villa Norwich. So he's actually needs a Premier League job, doesn't he? And Everton are, you know, for want of a better phrase, a big club. And um, so it's an opportunity for him, I think. Um, so though it's good for us to employ him, Everton are a good club for him to to manage, and so I think that's really important. Which is not necessarily you'd argue with two pre- predecessors, we needed them more than they needed us, and um, this the dynamic slightly different with Frank. But he was spot on what he said yesterday. He didn't just say it's enough to have a director of football, but you've got to have the right structure, which, let's face it, we've said that on the pod a million times, haven't we? Yeah, so mm. it was quite an interesting little um, diversion, that, wasn't it? Mm. 
I agree. Like I think Lampard certainly struck the right tone. He said, the key for me is communication and the fact that everything is aligned and you work in the same direction. I think if you can get that mix, great. Then I think it would be a really positive force for the club. And Wheelo, Gav's just mentioned about Everton's, well, predecessors in the managerial sense. You know, you get the feeling that both Rafa Benitez and Carlo Ancelotti in ideal circumstances probably wouldn't have worked with a director of football, certainly not with a director of football in the mould that Marcel Brands was in. So the fact that, you know, Frank Lampard does want to have this input on, you know, who who might be the director of football in the future and he is focused on communication and being aligned in the right sort of direction, that's exactly the kind of things that Everton fans want to hear, isn't it? Yeah, without question. To me, it's just what role we, the club, see the director of football having. If it's uh, not a glorified chief scout who looks who works on transfer targets on behalf of the manager name is as such and it's right that frank will have some kind of say in it or give his opinion but really it's it should be a decision being made above him because hopefully frank lampard's here for a number of years but you know <laughs> in recent years managers certainly haven't lasted that long so it's really the the identity and the the, the plans for the club should come through the director of football and Looking from the outside, it didn't really seem to be that case with Marcel Brands. Certainly, as you rightly said, Adam, there you had two managers there who looked like they were doing different things from from Brands from the outside. I think it's a big. I think it's a big decision, really. It, it's, we are either going to go all in, in go all in with a director of football like other clubs have, and give him that him him or her that kind of responsibility for how we want to play and and how deals are done, or is it going to be someone who is kind of you know, has to take what the manager says on board. It's almost got to be the powers also almost got to go with the director of football. Obviously, you see other clubs like our neighbours, you know, across across the city. You know, clearly someone like Michael Edwards has a big say, but I'm sure Klopp has maybe not, if not the final say, but just as equally as big a say. And I, I think there's definitely the role is there, but we've just clearly not got it right in the past, have we? Brand seemed an ideal fit for it, but for whatever reason, it clearly didn't work. And uh, yeah, Lampard's right. Lampard's right. It, it's got to fit. It's got to have a structure, which, you know, we've had people like Marcel and then Steve Walsh before, and it's just not worked. So it's it's a big decision, really. Mm. Bees, on another tangent, we've got to mention a big bit of news earlier in the week from Everton, who announced season ticket price rises for the first yeah. time in, what was it, seven years, I think? Uh, a little bit earlier in the week, ahead of next season, uh, adult season tickets will start from £465 now which is an increase of less than £2.40 per game on current season ticket prices from my basic maths, uh, which is, you know, questionable at best. But <laughs> let's, let's, I think, I think adult season ticket prices are around about something like a, a 10% rise in general across the board. Uh, we saw quite a lot of debate on social media about this uh, in the, in the following days and, you know, hours. Uh, what was, what was your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't. I, I, of course, price increases are always gonna go down badly, aren't they? Whatever, whatever amount that is. So there was a, the fair amount of grumbling, and I think a lot of that would actually come down to the fact that if we take, if we look away from football, the the price of living, the cost of living is going up so much at the moment. Fuel bills, um, food bills petrol bills, whatever, and people's wages aren't being increased uh, in alignment with that. So the, they're feeling the pinch elsewhere. I don't think they're necessarily feeling the pinch 
at Everton, like you said, it had been seven seasons since there had been a, a, an increase in, in the prices. So without us wanting to sound like a stooge for the club, I don't think that it was particularly unfair to, to ask this. And what you've also got to remember, you know, living in the real world, that in 2024-25 season, there's going to be that move, hopefully, to the new stadium, which remains on track and going to be the inevitable increase that, that goes with that. So I think if you sort of falsely kept them at a, a low level now and then all of a sudden had a massive hike for Bramley Moore Dock, then that would there'd be problems with that. I mean, that's still yet to come. There still might be a bit of that. But uh, yeah, there, I don't think it was unfair, the, the, the increases that have been, uh, have been brought in now, given that the way that I think people have quite rightly pointed out that some of their prices that they've been paying, especially for the juniors and maybe less or comparable to what they were paying themselves a couple of decades ago. So, no, I, I don't think it's it, it's unfair. I mean, it's up for the fans themselves to to say what, what they think. But I think the problem comes with the people being squeezed so much in, in other areas. So, um, it, it, they obviously don't like it um, to be coming from Everton. But I think um, I, I wouldn't... Uh, one thing that I would actually uh, take from it as well, I mean, it doesn't affect many people, but... Um, a nice touch to really sort of help the the very oldest supporters that they've got um the over 90s who were getting the, the free season tickets now that was a nice little touch people might say oh well you know it's just like a pr stunt or something but they didn't have to do it that they um and uh, those those supporters who have supported everton the longest there and um getting a, a little sort of um benefit for them which was nice as well the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo Mm, yeah, I agree. That's a really, really lovely gesture from the club. Gav, I mean, you know, this is this is a move that you know Everton have brought in to obviously maximise their commercial revenue for for uh, the the next season in terms of season tickets. But one of the main gripes that I saw on social media, I was actually off when when these ticket prices came out, so I wasn't on social media all that much. On uh, I think it was Tuesday that these prices came out, wasn't it? But uh, one of the main gripes that I did see was that Everton is still the only Premier League club, I think it is, without a shirt sleeve sponsor. And if the club are trying to maximise uh, their revenue, surely getting a shirt sleeve sponsor would be, would, well, would rake in a lot more money than, you know, a, a, an inkly, in, well, well, what would, yeah. what would to them be an insignificant uh, season ticket price rise? But for, for many, many fans is, you know, quite a, quite a hike. Yeah, yeah, but you can do both, can't you? You know, do both. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting discussion, this, isn't it? Because um, you can you can see both sides of the argument, can you? You can see the club, as you say, we've not had the rise for eight years. We've got to maximise our income. People say, well, it's only £2 million. I think it works out at extra revenue, but that'd buy it to Marty Gray, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. You know, and... I, I get, I get that, um, and get 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 you know get the club maximising income support to say well, it's only a small, relatively small amount for you, but actually it can be a relatively big amount for us, um, and so um, and get both sides. I mean, but remember, it's like you've got to look at it across the board, haven't you? I think is it twenty twenty five percent of our season ticket holders pay ten pound a game or less or something, isn't it? It's something really really yeah. low. Um, I think our average income per seat is about 16, 17 pounds across Goodison. 
Um, so as though you do have expensive season tickets, relatively expensive, still a lot less than what you pay at other clubs, by the way, is there's still a lot of people paying really, as Chris was saying there, really low prices. Um, you know, I, I did some, got my abacus out early on the week. Our last full year at Goodison, 1819, we got the same gate receipts as what we got in 2002-2003. So if you think across them 16 years, by and large, the average seat. Both the same, you know. So mm. we're not not a club who historic, and I think this is worth pointing out. It's not a club historically who's put prices up a lot. You know, there's been lots of people who said the council said that they should to, <laughs> to maximise mm. the income, but the club has always been cognizant of bringing on young supporters. The the, the economic just area that live, we are localised fan base. You know, a fair proportion of them live. Let's face it, live in some of the poorest areas in the country. Mm. Um, and that's that's just a known fact. So the club has always been cognizant of that, I think. Yeah. So though I get you know supporters, you know, not being happy about the increase, we have to see it in that context, don't we? Mm. Not as a one-off thing, just but what has been the club's tickets and policy price and policy over the years? It's been mm. it's been very very fair, I would say, and I would quite generous. In some some respects, compared to a lot of other clubs, I mean, there's there's clubs with smaller grounds and that make more money, mm. you know, because yeah. we keep we kept ticket prices low. So that's the way I view it. You've got to see the big picture, mm. you know. But at the, you know, of long term low prices. But then again, I can mm. see why I can see why supporters would say, well, you know, it's a relatively small amount for you. You know, um, you perhaps don't need, but we need that extra cash. So it's it's a difficult one, but we just got to see the big picture here, haven't we? I, mm. I mean, Paul. It, obviously, it's always going to be a, difficult for Everton to tread the line in this sort of sense, as Gav is saying. But uh, I suppose it doesn't make things much better when season ticket holders probably don't think they're getting value for their money on the pitch at the minute, do they? No, probably good time to announce it after that leader in, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? How much do you want? <laughs> you know, uh, but no, I, like I, myself, my dad, and uh, our eldest son are season ticket holders, and I like I thought they communicated the message pretty well when the email dropped in uh, what in earlier this week. You know, you, I went onto the website with different you know sections talk about why they've done the price rise, calculators, things like that. I thought it's always a difficult message to get across when you're saying we're going to ask more money for you and. Uh, I would like to say that I still think the prices for juniors, my eldest son, our eldest son's nine, and I think it works out as just over six pound a game. And like that's incredible, really. You know, if I went to my local non-league team, Prescott Cables, you know, he'd probably be paying three, four quid to get in. And like that's that's no disrespect to cables, but you know, he's paying just a little bit more for Premier League football 19 times a season. So the club deserve massive credit for that. And yeah, I can't buy the season ticket for a since a young kid until I started working on Saturdays, then I've had one for the last four or five years. And it's one thing I've never really had too much of an issue with. Obviously, I had to work to pay the money and save up the money each year. But I think, as Gav rightly said, comparable to other clubs, I don't think we've had too big, bigger reasons to complain. I suppose the bigger picture is, given the fact that the Premier League TV, the domestic deal stayed the same, didn't it? Because they had concerns over the pandemic. And it seems that, the overseas TV deals are the really lucrative ones now, and it's, this is not directed at Everton. It's probably a bigger question: Do could Premier League 
clubs really afford to maybe set prices even lower. But I think I might be slightly living in dream world there. Yeah, yeah you, you know, I think Bees is right as well. Would we have rather had this now, maybe a little staggered rise until we move to Bramley Moor Dock and then it really goes up? I'm not sure. I think I, I think they're in a difficult position here, the club. If, you, if you're lucky enough to be able to afford one, I think you'd probably accept it. But as Bees equally rightly said, this is, it's a tough time for people at the moment because bills are going up left, right and centre, aren't they? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. Mm. Gav, were you looking to make a final point there? No, I was, I was just going to, I was going to mention the overseas deal. I think it's gone up tired on the, 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 the domestic rights, isn't it, from 2022. Um, oh. I think we get about 50 million a year from it at the moment. So I think if it goes up, we'll get an extra 10, 10, 15 million. I know because it depends where you're finishing the league as well, some of the overseas TV rights. So you are you are right, Paul, in that. Well, hang on a minute. If you're getting an extra 10 or 15 million from your overseas rights from next year, doesn't that cancel out the the ticket, uh, the ticket increase? But then this goes back to the club's got to maximise its revenue. Um, and by the way, do you expect further price increases before we get to Bramley Moor? That's the other thing. It may not keep at this level. Mm. It may go up yeah. again, you know, over the next few seasons. Um, and that, that would be interesting to see uh, what happens. But that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it? This is a reflection on the size of our fan base, isn't it, really, that we have a localised fan base we haven't got loads of people who, who like I'm somewhere. Somebody says large numbers of people say I don't want to go to the game. We haven't got like another 60,000 people want to go to the game, have we? It was interesting. Like we've got 32,000 season ticket holders, twenty thousand maximum on the waiting list. But whether they take up a season ticket, I don't know. No Spurs as numbers. Spurs have got forty thousand season ticket holders, eighty thousand on their waiting list. So they can put places all they like, knowing full well that they're always going to get people to join. With us, it's slightly different, isn't it? Mm. And and I think that's one of the things the club's cognizance of, and, and as I say, in terms of their the way they, they set prices, mm. they haven't got low, you know, a lot of people uh, want to watch them. If 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 you know, if fifteen twenty thousand don't want to go, so mm. I think that also informs our place and structure. Um, so just a quite. Talk all day about this, couldn't you? It's an interesting one. <laughs> and I just wish we, could. <laughs> <laughs> wish we could, wish we could, but I think we're running yeah. out of time, so we'll uh, we'll move on to some predictions ahead of Southampton versus Everton on Saturday afternoon. Bees, we'll come to you first. Uh, are, you, are you fancying? Are you fancying Everton continuing their continuing their run of form? Can you call it a run of form after one game? <laughs> one game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I, I think um, I, I, you've got to got to be positive. Uh, let's 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 be positive. Not only predict um, an, another victory, but an, another clean sheet. And I will stick my neck out and say one nil Everton. Ooh, I love that. I love that, Paul. Do you agree with Bees's positivity? Yeah, I like. I seem. I must. I, whenever I think of Southampton away, I think I remember that three 0 game. You know when we were the green kit and yeah. the Barker scored two. Barker ever raised the four one one. On my memory, that was a bad day, wasn't it? I, yeah. I, as good as well as Southampton are playing, I think they do concede goals, and I think 
you you saw on Saturday when the players are unleashed, you know, the, the, the shackles are clearly off. People like Gordon Richarlison, Calvert Lewin. I think we'll definitely go down and score. And then as as as, as welcoming in that clean sheet was, I, I, I think they've got dangerous players. So I think there's going to be goals in this game. But uh, yeah. yeah, let's stay positive and say two one Everton. Love that, Gav. Are you going to make it a hat trick? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously, I think they're a good team. Southampton, I've seen a couple, seen them in City, Man United are excellent. In, but they do give you a chance, don't they? I think it was Man United's highest G, wasn't it, of the season mm-hmm. last Saturday. So South, Southampton will give you opportunities. So if we're firing up front, um, we you know can take advantage of that. But they do, they do pose a threat, which goes back to our sense of defence needs to be. Uh, on its guard, so I'm going to make a hat trick. I'm going to say one nil, but it'd be a tough game. But I think it's a really good test. This of where we are under Frank. Mm. That that actually, I don't think Leeds and Brentford were necessarily tests. So uh, a really interesting game for me in terms of how we're progressing. Mm. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm, I can make it a clean sweep. I think I do think this will be quite quite a quite a high tempo, energetic sort of game. I can see goals in it. For both sides and you know as you say i do think this will be a, a really big test for everton and i don't think this is any sort of like must win game or anything uh i think it would be it would be really a really good result if everton could go there and get a draw so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for quite an exciting uh quite an exciting 2-2 draw i think i can i can see goals in this um i hope i'm wrong i hope i hope all you three are right to be fair <laughs> But yeah, anyway, me and uh, me and Connor O'Neill will be travelling down to the south coast, hoping hoping to not get blown into the English Channel or, or anything like that while, while we're down there by Storm Eunice or whatever the next storm is that's going to be coming along. But if we do make it to the stadium, then you can follow us, uh, all of our updates on the Liverpool Echo website. Thank you for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.